standard issue for all women. Oh, hello there. Jen here to tell you about this episode of the Sunday Chops. Now, we have got two servings of chops for you this week. In our other episode, Mick met up with author Bernadine Evaristo to chat about her book, a long-listed novel, Girl, Woman, Other, a celebration of black womanhood and modern Britain and the complexity of these issues individually and indeed together. And in this episode, it's, well, we've got a gorgeous literary double bill for you today because I'm talking to Kit Duvall, author of the new young adult book, Becoming Diner, about reimagining the classics, finding your inner 14-year-old, and the upcoming Prima Donna Book Festival, which she co-founded. I absolutely love Kit. Her books are excellent, and she is fierce as fuck. A frankly winning combination, so I hope you enjoy this as much as I enjoyed chatting to her. I'm joined by Kit Duvall, author of the new young adult book, Becoming Diner, which is part of Orion Children's Book's new young adult feminist series, Bellatrix. First of all, Kit, thanks very much for joining us. It's great to be here. Thank you. Can you tell us a little bit about, first of all, this new series that you're part of and how you came to be involved in it? Hashtag invited me to, because I think I'm well known for loving the classics, so Hashay invited me to choose a classic, anyone I wanted, and to respond to it really rather than reimagine it for a young YA feminist audience. I've never written YA before, but I jumped at the chance because I love the classics and because I just thought it was a fantastic thing to do to try and make the classics relevant to a new audience. And it was my opportunity to respond to one of the classics, and there are many of them, unfortunately, but one that has no women in it at all, which was Moby Dick. I think there are two women that are mentioned by name. I think they're both maids or cooks or something, and that's it. They don't even get to character status. They're just mentioned. Apart from that, there's not a woman in it. So I decided to respond to Moby Dick, and it was utterly fabulous I absolutely loved it so I have read Coming Diner but I have not read Moby Dick so can you tell me a little bit more about how your book responds to that classic yeah so Moby Dick is the story it starts with one of the most famous lines in literature which is call me Ishmael and the story is narrated by Ishmael a young sailor who signs up very late for a whaling voyage on a ship called the Peacod. And the ship is captained by a madman, basically. He's a one-legged tyrant. And he, instead of going looking for whales to extract the uh, oil, which is what they're supposed to, he's supposed to be doing, he's going after a very particular white whale because that whale took his leg it bit him took his leg off and then swam away so really Ahab is getting this voyage together to go hunting the whale and he's obsessed with it he goes hunting the whale and at the end he dies because he takes too many chances and the whale is bigger than he is and he's obsessed and he's balmy so that's the story of Moby Dick what some of the themes are in the original book are this ship that is manned by crew from all over the world. In fact, Herman Melville that wrote the book was ahead of his time in being very sympathetic to other nations. He's very warm about other nations. He also has a sort of hint that a couple of the sailors might be gay. 
and in a relationship. And he also is very um, keen on showing how, the part that religion played in the book. So obviously I knew the book and I knew all these themes. So I had to think about a way of incorporating all of those themes into a book that you don't need to have read Moby Dick. You know, how many people have read Moby Dick if they're 17? I mean, pretty sad if they have. Probably, or 36, exactly. There's loads of people. So I didn't want the book to only work on, on the level that you've got to have read Moby Dick to enjoy it. So I decided to make Ishmael a girl. I decided to have a girl that was exploring her sexual identity who incorporated all these different nations that were on the ship. I made the ship a camper van, because I'm obsessed with camper vans and no other reason, just a bit like Ahab. And I made Ahab into a guy who, who lost his leg in an accident and who's a mechanic and he's chasing a camper van that literally took his leg, took his false leg. So obviously I had great fun with it. Why did you choose Moby Dick specifically? Is it just because of the complete absence of women in it? Yes, mostly I chose it because of the absence of women, but really I chose it because I love it. I think it'd be very difficult to do justice to a book that you don't love, because I love the book, I love the story, um, and I, I think then you're quite respectful of the story. You know, I, I wasn't, I'm not out to make any massive points apart from the fact that you should have had a couple of women in there but actually at the time in in real life there would have been no women on that ship and women in at the time that it was written had such uh, a very constrained life uh, this is in uh, Massachusetts where the book is set in, in a town called New Bedford, which features in Becoming Diner. And they would have been cooks and cleaners and wives and prostitutes, and basically that was it, you know, that, that was what was open to you uh, as a job. I loved the book, but I wanted to be respectful and also to acknowledge the great things that Herman Melville did, particularly with race and with class and with madness and obsession. But I, I also have great love for the book. It's a story I love. Uh, and the film's really good. If you can't bear the book, watch the film. Or read your book. Or read my book, even better, <laughs> yes. It's part of a wider series. How important do you think that a series is in terms of what it can do for young women and girls? I think it's never been more important for young women and girls to explore the world and explore who they are. And most importantly, to try and shake off some of the utter shite that is written for girls and women about what you should look like, who you should be, what you should do, what you should have done by 21, what you should have done by 30, haven't you had kids yet, why aren't you thin, don't you cook, why don't you have five a day, aren't you, you know, you should be fit, you, should, you might have to look after your parents when you get older, why haven't you got a pension, you've got all these things being bombarded, some of them are, are men and women, girls and boys, but women mostly, and so fixated about the shoulds, the shoulds of life. You should look like this. You should wear makeup. You should do this with your hair. You should go jogging. And they're so, they're so hard to fight against. They're so hard if you have all these messages coming at you to actually forge your own path and say, do you know what, I'm okay the way I am. And that, that's the message I really wanted to come over in Becoming Dinah, that this girl is having some of those thoughts. She is a girl that's grown up in a very protected environment 
and she goes to school. And when she gets to school and she's got, you know, really shitty mobile phone and she hasn't got the right clothes on, when she gets to school, she gets all these, oh, you're wearing that? Oh, you're doing that? Oh, all these things. Why don't you pluck your eyebrows? So she has to deal with all of those messages for the first time in her life when she's 17. And she also is genuinely discovering her sexuality. She's not sure about her sexuality. And one of the messages that I wanted to come out into the book was, it's okay. It's, it's not only okay not to know, but it's okay to explore. And it's okay to, to feel that your sexuality is a state of flux for the rest of your life. You know, you don't sort of get to 30 and go, okay, now I understand my sexuality. Now I know for definite I'm this. But let it be a fluid thing that, you, that we all explore as we move through life. As you sort of touched on there, she has questions about her sexuality. I kind of read it as possibly her gender as well, because obviously she's calling herself Ishmael after a period of time. She shaves off all her hair. I mean, not that that necessarily means anything. How important do you think that representation is? But also, are these the kind of things that we need to be talking to young people about now to actually remain relevant to them? Yeah, I think, I think we should remain relevant. I think literature and the arts in general should remain relevant to, and the classics uh, to remain relevant to young people today, not just young people, to everybody, I mean all of us. And I think that we need to acknowledge the conversations that are happening now with younger people and with older people about gender, about gender fluidity, about who you are and that you can choose who you are and you can celebrate who you are. Definitely Dinah I wouldn't say she's, she thinks she wants to be male. I think she's just so confused. She certainly wants to hide. And that's mostly what she's doing by cutting off her hair. She, she knows that people love her hair. She knows she's got beautiful hair. She knows that one of the things that Queenie, her love interest, loves about her is her hair. And this is really a rejection by Dinah about that person I've got to change who I am because I've been rejected and I'm rejecting myself and I'm going to be this other person and she's really just a mess you know she's unhappy she doesn't know what she's doing and I think that comes out through the book that you know call me Dinah I mean call me Ishmael I mean you know I like her but I also like him you know those sort of questions that are coming up and I think we we need to acknowledge that for many young people, thank God we live in a time now when you can explore your sexual identity and your gender identity without being thought of as a freak. But because that's a conversation that young people are having with one another and with themselves, I think, I mean, my children are 19 and 24 and those questions for them haven't cropped up yet. But if they do, I would like to think that I had educated myself about what that meant for them and how and find a way to support them and, and to be open to it. If we don't, we risk alienating people at a very critical time in their development as an adult. And I mean, that, that goes for adults. That's not just about, you know, kids. That's about any of us. That can happen to all of us. And as you said before, you've, you've written a couple of books now, but they have not been young adult fiction. How is it different writing for young adults? And you said you absolutely loved 
the process so so what did you love about it I loved the challenge and it really was a challenge it is different writing for a young adult audience what I found out as I wrote the book is that you can hint at things for adult fiction that sometimes you have to spell out for younger people who haven't been in that position uh, you know at my age I've been in a lot of situations throughout my life so I can say oh this is what's happening here but if you're 14 or 15 you haven't been in so many life situations so you might need to spell out some situations more also attention span young people want some action you know they don't want a two-page description of a meadow I mean who does but you know they certainly want the book to crack along and, and to, to interest them you know they're not they they have an enormous amount of distractions and pulls on their time and and want you to be able to challenge them on that and to think you know I, I'm not going to look on snapchat I'm actually going to finish this book so you know you better make it worth their while Hey there you lot if you're wondering how you can join in on the fun of a live standard issue podcast well you're in luck because I'm here to tell you our next live show will be at King's Place in London as part of the London Podcast Festival and we are absolutely chuffed to bits because we will be joined by comedian and disability rights activist Tanya Lee Davis as well as journalist and co-author of the brilliant Slay in Your Lane Yomi Adegaki and that will be on September the 15th you can find out more information on this and how to get tickets by visiting visiting our website www.standardissuepodcast.com please do get a ticket it's my birthday and i will as the song goes cry if i want to technically it was her party not her birthday but same difference right were these things that came out through the editing process or did you find you had to sort of find your teenage self as it were Fortunately, I'm really immature, so my teenage self is not that far away. I am genuinely very immature. So it was really trying to drill down into to who I was at that age. And, you know, when I was 15, 16, the world was so different. You know, I was really quite a little girl when I was 14. 14 is not a little girl anymore. 14 is verging on, you know, serious adulthood. So I had to probably go back to when I was 20, I would say, to just try and get into the head of a 14-year-old. And like I said, it was, it was a challenge, uh, and I did get help from my editor, who's fantastic, and, and you know, she, was, she would say to me, you need to smell, spell this out a bit more. But yeah, what a privilege, what, what a great privilege to, to write something for that age group. Going back to what you said before a little bit about what, you know, just the crap, really, that women are bombarded with and from a very very young age I remember like the the main series when I was growing up the series of books that I read there was one about um horses because girls love horses I did actually love horses to be fair but um called I think it was called the saddle club and then there was one about this group of girls in I think it's called the babysitters club or something like that but even that I mean they, they were a bit more progressive than that sounds because that does sound shockingly bad but even just those are the themes that when you think about it now it didn't occur to me at the time obviously I was a kid but when you think about it now you're like really is that is that the best we can do for you when I was growing up and I mean it was when Noah was a child we had comics because there was three channels on the telly that's how old I am so there was comics called Bunty, Jackie and Mandy 
And there were girls in those comics that went to a Jim Carner. Now I had no idea what a fucking Jim Carner was. I was just like, "What is a Jim Carner?" I'd never touched a horse. I'm inner city girl. Horses were, you know, literally only ever underneath cowboys. So I remember just reading it, and there was horses at a Jim Carner, but I didn't know. And there was also other things that they did. There was sometimes a free lipstick, and it was absolutely vile. It tasted of nasty, and it had glitter in it, and you looked like a fool. But that's what we had at 15. Now, look at the world. You know, on your phone, you can speak to someone on the other side of the world. I have recently returned from Norway, and my sister lives in the middle of an island off the west coast of Norway. It takes hours to get there. I can Skype her and she looks like she's in the next room. You know, the world is here, it's present, we can interact with it. And if we can interact with it and make sense of it, and sometimes we do, sometimes we don't, what's it like when you're 14, when you can access all these things and have all these influences saying, as I said before, you know, why aren't you doing this? Why don't you know about this? My son, who's 19, said to me the other day, I said, oh, that's a good song. And he went, it's old. It's old. Yeah, that came out about two weeks ago. I was like, two weeks is old. And it is, because the amount of music and the amount of film and the amount of media he can access, two weeks is old. I consider albums from 1975 old and, you know, maybe 1980. Everything else is recent to me. So I just... I'm amazed at how resilient young people are in negotiating that. I would not want to live in that world. And, and I, it, was, it was great to be able to write Dinah as someone that is hurtled, just shoved into that world. And it's like, bam, now how am I going to deal with it from a standing start? So if you could go back in time and tell 14-year-old Kit something, if you could pass on some like sage wisdom to 14-year-old Kit, what would you tell her? I would say you are absolutely great shut up stop worrying about what you look like stop worrying about your friends tell valerie books to piss off because she's bullying you, did you know she was bullying you at the time? i did i did and i was very very intimidated by her and she was she was sort of the it girl i hope she's listening she was the <laughs> it girl and she made my life misery and i and i say she made my life misery I wanted to be like her. I hated her and loved her. No, let's not go to love. Let's say wanted to be her. I wanted to look like her. I wanted to have her confidence. She was vile. And she terrorised me and other girls. I was the only, you know, probably three black... Three, yeah, there were three black girls in our school. So, yeah, I would say that. I'd say stand up for yourself and stop worrying. And these are the best days of your life. And enjoy them and take some photographs. Because I, I have hardly any, because it was a different thing then, where you had to take your photographs, wait till you had about 28 on your camera, take them to boots, boot, wait two weeks, when you get them back you realise that all shit apart from the one that's got half of your face in, overexposed, and you've that wasted all of that money. So yeah, I'd say stop, yeah, take some photos and try and make some good photos, because I've forgotten. Take better photos. Yes. <laughs> Last time we spoke, you just published The Trick to Time. You've been up to quite a lot since then. So one of the things is you are, I believe, one of the founding members of the Prima Donna Book Festival. Yes. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yes. So this was at the invitation of Catherine Mayer and Jane Dybel to, what can you say, Amazons, without making Amazon into a different, dirty word, but to... to 
great women, really influential women, who wanted to set up a literary festival that was different and that would give prominence to women. So not saying we're not have, we don't have men, because we are having men, but ga- giving prominence to women and to women's writing, and perhaps to champion some of the voices that don't get heard very often, some, some people that are not considered mainstream and wouldn't get onto a festival. So we all, lots of us, there's, I think there's about 15 prima donnas all together, and we got together. We took us about, I'd say, three or four hours to come up with that name. It was not pretty. But we eventually came up with the name prima donna and reclaiming that word so first first lady first women and we set about programming and we really made sure that we included diverse voices new voices there's also because it sounds a bit worthy so far i'll just let you know there is food nice food there's music there's fun and games of stuff for children and also if there's anyone coming to Prima Donna that doesn't know anyone we've got this sort of buddy system where you can pitch a tent near someone share things so people shouldn't worry about coming on their own and we're also exploring themes like artificial intelligence and what that means for women bear in mind Alexa and Siri both women's names both women's voices both doing as they're told both being really accommodating to men and everybody else what is that saying to our girls and what is that saying to boys you know i i want this i'll tell siri to do it and she'll behave is that going to translate into their relationships that's the discussion how does siri and how does alexa and artificial intelligence all come together and how's that affecting women who's programming alexa what about sex robots all of those we talk about this quite a lot on the it always comes back to samantha the heavily soiled sex robot yeah don't know if you ever heard there was this news story a couple of years ago about samantha the sex robot i can't even remember where she was some sort of expo thing somewhere and they basically had to remove her because she um, was soiled. heavily soiled yeah oh, nasty. yeah nasty. i sort of regret telling you that story now yeah. the no, look no, of horror right. on your face it, it is truly <laughs> horrible but it's exactly the you know that was a few yeah. years ago where have we gone now you know how far down that road have we gone of expecting and feeding the the message about subservient women to to everybody you know particularly to boys and girls coming up who think alexa and syria just you know Oh, they're just toys, they're just things that are going to help us. But actually, there's hidden messages in there. Another thing that we're going to have is bad men writing women and how badly they do it. The name of that particular panel is called Her Breasts Preceded Her Into the Room because that's a genuine line, a genuine line from a book. Can you say what book it's I, I don't. Okay. Um, but imagine how big they were if that Massive. actually happened. Yeah, that's I mean, because obviously... Yeah, bigger than her, bigger than a six-foot door. You know, they they came round the door first (laughs) and then the rest of it followed. So clearly bollocks. But this guy has felt able to write that Mm. because he he doesn't know women. Anyone that wrote that would know that. Unless it's a comedy, that's bollocks. So we're talking about bad writing for women. We're also talking about rejection letters for writers. So we're, we're choosing some of the rejection letters that are absolutely appalling and we're going to talk about them and what you can do about them. We've got some fantastic comedy night stuff with a competition to make the head of Radio 4 Comedy laugh. 
So that's going to be fantastic, I should imagine. And just loads of stuff. I'm interviewing a writer who's actually here today at the Edinburgh Fringe called Eli Percy. They're non-binary writer writing about a queer Romeo and Juliet take uh, set in 1980s Glasgow. So that's going to be great. So yeah, it is absolutely a privilege to be involved in setting up a new festival. We hope it's the first year and not the only year. And we'd like to keep it going and to really showcase some great talent. And a um, friend of Sandy's issue, Sandy Toxvig, is involved, isn't yes. she? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, some of the names are amazing. Oh, it's a, it's a line, so, Louise Doughty, who is also here today, who wrote Apple Tree Yard, mm. Luke Jennings, who wrote Killing Eve. In fact, they're on a panel together called Killing Eve in Apple Tree Yard. I know, clever, very mm. clever play on words. But they're t- together talking about crime. So, yeah, there's, there's really some of the biggest names in literature and comedy and, uh, you know, just creative non-fiction too. So where can we get tickets for it? www.primadonnafestival.com But if you're in any doubt, you can always Google me and there'll be something there or find me on Twitter and there's loads of stuff about it. I am at Kit Duval and I spend way too much time on Twitter so I will always be saying something about Primadonna. We really want people to come. We want to make it the best festival that we can make it and to have the world as it should be just for one weekend. Excellent. Kit... I sort of want you to adopt me after this interview. Not as my mum, you're not old enough, but maybe as my auntie. Maybe we can make that happen. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you. Thanks very much. Hello, Mickey here to tell you how you can find out more about us. And that is if you want to follow us on Twitter. Standard Issue is at Standard Issue UK. I'm at Mixter Noonan. Hannah is at That Dunleavy and Jen is at InspiraGen. And you can find out more about our views, opinions and general nonsense if you follow us over there. Look forward to having a natter. Standard Issue for all women.